Blog Talk Radio. Blessings, blessings, and a great, great good afternoon, good evening, good morning, whatever time it is in your part of the world where you are hearing my voice. This is the It's Real Radio talk show, and I am your host, Elder Coilette James, and it is always, always, always such a great pleasure to meet you in the airways, to share this time with you. I am so grateful for God that I am yet in the land of the living. And it is definitely my honor to share this time and space with you. So um, it has been it has been a very very crazy week that we have walked through. Um, so many different things have been happening in our um, in our nation in our country over this past week, and we are going into now the time in which we can conduct early voting and make sure that our voices are heard, and I am encouraging everyone, and I mean everyone, to get out and vote early. Let's not wait till November the 3rd to cast our vote, and I'm not by any means trying to instruct you on who to vote for because what I will do is encourage you to vote your conscience, vote your conscience. What is it that um, you feel that you can do and vote and be of clear conscience in your decision that, that won't keep you up at night? that won't have you struggling with the choice that you made, that won't have you sitting there looking at the next four years going, oh, my God, what was I thinking? (laughs) Um, Yeah. Anyway, so I just, I really, really want to encourage you to do that. And that's just from my heart. I'm so serious. One of the things that is so vitally, vitally important is that we have this right. We have this right that has been fought for with the blood and the lives of other people. I remember when I turned 18 years old, my mother took me to go vote. It might have even been on my 18th birthday. I don't know. But it was shortly thereafter if it wasn't exactly on that day. And she was insistent on it. And she was very, very serious about it. And her thing to me was people have literally lost their lives for you to have the right to do this. And you are going to do this. It was not a a question. It was not a request. It was a command. Okay, and it's been so so comical to me that I have listened to others that have recounted the exact same story, the exact same story. It's like they turned 18 and they, either their father or their mother took them and said, oh, no, you're going to vote. You're going to vote because too many people have lost their lives for the right to do this, and especially from people of my ethnicity because we were denied the right to vote, not only from my ethnicity standpoint but also from my gender standpoint because as an African-American female, all right, I was discriminated, or let me say those that have gone before me was discriminated on both levels. For the right to vote. Women had to march and demand their right to vote, and men, or I won't just say men, but people of African-American descent lost their lives for the right to vote. So it is something that's really near and dear to my heart. It really, really is. I'm going to tell you a brief story 
um, my husband, this is a personal story. My husband is a Vietnam veteran, and he encountered such atrocities during that war from our country, okay, not just from the enemy, but from our own country, that even though he is the political one in our family, He's the one that follows all the candidates. He's like up on it. You can talk to him about anybody, and he can tell you what's going on with them. But he himself never voted until 2018. I was so proud of him. In 2018, he sucked it up and said, hey, I, I need to do this. I need to do this. And, again, I was so, so very proud of him. But I, I share that just to say that I know that many people – have walked through so many different situations in their lives that has caused them to shrink back. They feel that their vote doesn't count. They feel like, what's the use? Um, they, they go through so many different stages of life, and they just they don't act, exercise the right that has been given them. And so I just want to speak to you briefly on that matter that, you know, your voice is important and it does make a difference. It absolutely positively makes a difference. And right now, the the heartbeat of our nation, I believe I can say that, the heartbeat of our nation right now is on the line. It is definitely on the line. So I just really, really want to encourage you with everything that is within me to to exercise the right that we have. People are literally trying to take that right from us, and we've got to make sure that we are standing up and saying, not so, not so. I will not allow you to silence me. I will not allow you to dictate to me whether or not I have the right or whether or not um, – it is, it is advantageous for me to exercise the right I have. There has been um, so much that has been promoted, let me put it out that, that way, in the media of, of this year, okay, especially of this year, that are, are basically are telling people, you know, that the, the voting process is fraudulent, that you, um, you don't – Anyway, I just, you know, I'm trying to be very, very cautious and careful what I say, but it has definitely been put out there that you don't have a voice or that your voice is not going to matter or that um, if you exercise your voice, it won't be counted and you will be counted out and it'll be deemed fraudulent. Please, 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 please don't listen to the propaganda that is being spewed out there right now. Please don't. Please, please, please don't. You have a voice, use it. You have the right. You have the right. You have the right to your opinion. That's why I never try to convince people to vote one way or the other. I know what my conscience says to me. Your conscience may be saying something else to you. But it's just vitally important, whatever your, your stand is in this political arena and in this climate right now, that you exercise the right to do it. It, it is vital, vital, vital. Well, now I'm going to get off my soapbox now. <laughs> I've taken up enough time with that. But as you can tell, I am very, very passionate about it. I am blessed that on tomorrow. God will have blessed me with 64 years, and I'm so grateful to him, every one of them. And the first thing on my agenda tomorrow is giving thanks to God, <laughs> just, you know, worshiping him and thanking him for 64 years. And the second thing on my agenda, early voting starts tomorrow where I'm at, and I will be at the election headquarters at 6 a.m., voting starts at 7, I will be there at 6 because I know it's going to be a line, and I am exercising my right to vote. It is my right as a woman of color to exercise my right to vote. 
and I'm going to do that. Okay. <laughs> I said I was going to do my phone line, and I'm going to do that. But amen. Thank you, Lord. So, not sure where my beautiful co-host is today. Possibly she has had to work, and so she's not able to make it, but that's okay. I invite all of you that are listening, please, if you want to join in the conversation, please, please, please join us. We would love your interaction. We would love to have you to um, to share with us your feelings on the topic that we're going to be talking about today. We're discussing leadership and um, the I, I syndrome in the midst of leadership. We find ourselves in this um, time of a lot of different things going on right now out in um, – in the land, in the home, um, in the political arena, uh, there is just a shortage of proper leadership right now going on. And when I say that, I'm speaking from the position of people not taking the seriousness of their respective calls of duty respective calls of duty, to step up to the mic and do what is necessary and to do what is necessary. And what is necessary is to lead by example and to definitely consider those that you have been called to lead over, all right? It, it breaks my heart. It really, really does. It breaks my heart to hear of the different things that are going on in homes across the country. Um, you've got school children who unfortunately have not been able to return back to school because of the pandemic that's going on, and that has literally caused havoc in the home. And people just, they don't even know how to respond to what's going on right now. And there is such mixed signals that are being sent to us in, in the lay community, um, those of us that are not in the political arena, those that are not in leadership in the churches, those of us that are not calling the shots. We are getting so many different mixed messages sent to us about how we need to be handling this time that we're in, how we need to be handling the pandemic, how we need to be handling the educational system, and just how we are to govern in our homes as a whole. And that has caused much, much confusion and problems. It has definitely caused a lot of problems, and it's very, very sad. Um, let's start with the home. Let's start with leadership in the home. And what we're talking about today, our topic today is the destruction of inferior leadership. And we want it to come from the perspective of the I syndrome. And the I syndrome is something I made up as I was <laughs> posting this show for today. But when I say the I syndrome, I'm coming from the place of self, selfishness, pride, arrogance, vainglory, narcissistic tendencies, there are so many different things that I can say and um, speak on when it comes from that point of view. <clears throat> Excuse me, but let me start off with the point of view that Lucifer had um, in heaven when he wanted all eyes on him. It was about him. Nobody else mattered. He wanted all the accolades. He wanted all the praise, the glory, the adoration. And when you think about how he was created, I mean, the honor in which, you know, he was created, it's just amazing to me, just amazing to me that he would take the stand that he did and, um, and want to take God's glory, want to take you know, the, the honor that needed to be given to God on himself. Um, it, it is just, it is heartbreaking, the thought that he had, how can I put this? He had no regard for his creator, because that's really what it, what it meant. He had no regard for his creator. <clears throat> Excuse me, he wanted all accolades upon his show, upon himself, and um, and he didn't care. He didn't care. Um, he didn't care what it was going to do to those that were following after his sadistic uh, tendencies. 
Because when he got kicked out of heaven, he took a third of the heavens with him. He took a third of the angels with him. And that's just, you know, that just says that that is that narcissistic, sadistic mentality that I don't care if you go down with me, but if I don't get my way, then it is what it is, seriously. And that's not good. That is so not good. But it is the same tendencies that we see um, perpetrated on a daily basis right now in our country, okay, unfortunately, but it also happens in our homes. And, and the reason that I wanted to start with the homes is because we're looking at the fathers or the single mother homes where, you know, children have not been able to go back to school and they have been relegated to um, online teaching and classes and what have you. And, and they've been displaced because of everything that's going on. And in the midst of them being displaced, a lot of them are suffering abuse within the home because the parents are feeling that the children are infringing on their time and their space, which is really, really sad. And I get it. I was a single mom. I, let me tell you, I get it. But at the same time, even as a single mom, and there were times when I really needed my own space because, hey, it was just me and my babies. It was, that was it. I worked, I went to school, and I took care of children. That was the extent of my life. And then school had to go, and it was just working and taking care of my children and working two jobs at one point in time and taking care of my children. It, it was like, so I get it. I get the frustration of the, the, all the pressure and what's on you. But one thing I never lost sight of is the fact that whatever what I was going through, it was not their fault. It was not their fault. You know, my choices were my choices. And I don't regret not one moment of giving birth to my children, not one moment. But it was hard, and I get it. But what I definitely got more than anything was, no matter how hard it was, no matter what sacrifices had to be made, what, no matter what had to be done to make sure all was well, it wasn't their fault. It wasn't their fault. So I tried to be very, very careful and not take out my frustrations on them. Now, I, I, maybe, you know, I'm not going to say that I was perfect because I definitely wasn't a perfect mother, but I, I definitely recognized that whatever was going on in my life was not, they were not the cause of it. It was all me. It was all me. It was my choices and what have you, and I had to stand up and deal with it. Likewise, Right now, what's going on in these homes and with these children and the fact that they're literally technically being homeschooled, even though some of the parents aren't equipped to do that, but nevertheless, it is not their fault. So let's stop and, and take time to recognize that we can't take our frustrations out on them. You know, some things that are said to children that cut them like a knife, you know, like, I'm sorry you were ever born, and different things like that. Things have been uttered that children never heal from, never heal from. I have seen grown, aged adults that still have scars in their heart for things that have been said to them by their parents. Now, I'm going to say this because I've been misunderstood in some things that I've said, but I'm going to put this out there as well. There are times when we, as the parent or the grandparent or whatever, say things and, and it's misconstrued by the child because they are thinking in, in an immature mentality and all they, they hear one thing and your heart is saying something else to them. So I get it. Okay, but we still have to be very careful and very mindful of what we're doing, and some of it is not a mistake. Some of it is blatant, and things are, are propelled out there, and it cuts those children. It cuts them, and so we have to understand that. We definitely have to understand that and be cautious of that. And remember, it's not their fault that they're in this situation, the same situation that you find yourself in. And you're having a hard, think of this, if you're having a hard time coping and dealing with it, think how they are feeling right now and how they're trying to cope and deal with the situation. It's not easy for them. It's not easy for you. It is absolutely positively not easy for them. And you have to keep that in mind. So be mindful. 
So now let's step out of the house for a moment and think about the work environment. And the work environment has definitely changed as well. And as leadership leaders in the workplace, we need to be mindful of what's going on in the home of those that are in the workspace. Seriously, because keeping in mind, again, they are dealing with things at home that they don't normally deal with. They have situations going on, okay, that they don't normally have to confront and deal with, especially with child care and different things of that nature. So we have to be mindful of that and give some custom slack. You know, there, there was a mandate at one point in time of how many days you could miss. And then in, during the quarantine, the majority of the workforce wanted to be at home. And, and they, they, some of them couldn't return back to the workforce because of what's going on in the home, because the schools were shut down, because the daycares were shut down, and they didn't have any choice. And so as leaders in the workspace, we still have to be mindful of what our employees are going through as well. Keep that in mind. You know, you, you cannot take, again, out your frustration um, and the hardship that your, country, that your company may be experiencing. You cannot take that out on your employees. It's not fair to them. They're going through enough. They are going through enough. So we have to be mindful. Leadership is, is a very delicate place that we find ourselves in. There's a, there's a fine line that we have to walk as leaders. Let's look at the church. You know, churches had to close the doors to the congregation and find alternatives, find other ways to still connect with their people. And some churches weren't able to do that. Some closed their doors and not to reopen. And some of them, I was doing a, a television broadcast just a little while ago, and I, I touched on this, where there are some churches that will not reopen. And there are some pastors that could not do, make the, the shift and the, the change to the virtual world because just as they were to be there for their congregation and to encourage their congregation, they literally fed off of their congregation and needed their congregation to pump them up for them to be effective in the pulpit. And without having those live hallelujahs and amens and good word, Doc, pumping them up, they couldn't do it. And, again, that takes us back to that eye syndrome. It was, it was never about just giving the, the congregation the unmitigated word of God, the truth. It was about them being pumped up, puffed up, and, and needing that for their ego. So this has been so much that has gone on and so much that is out there, and we've got to get a handle on who we are as leaders. Now, never mind the political arena, because I could probably do a whole show on that just by myself, but I might lose some of you if I'm here. I'm not going to do that. But um, we just we have to get to a place that we are mindful of the needs of those that we service, of those that um, we have the ear of, of those that God has called us to be kingdom connections in their lives and to govern and to guide and to lead. It is vitally, vitally important in this day. I really I want to go into some scripture here. Um, dealing with leadership, I, if, if we don't take it from the word of God, then we're missing it. Then we are missing it. And there are times when the word of God is our only, is our only refuge. It's the only place that we can seek solace from. It's the only place that we can get guidance from. So I just, I want to read some, some, some nuggets out of God's word that hopefully will help you in this hour as we are in uncharted territory. We, none of us have been this way before. This year has been one for the record books for real, <laughs> for real, for real. So let's start with Psalm 37 and 7. And it says, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. 
Do not fret when people succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. So in other words, don't be distracted by other success. Even when, you're, when they're succeeding in their wickedness, developing a patient trust and stillness before God will give you the facility you desire. And he will come through. You've got to trust that. You've got to have faith that he's going to see you through. You've got to have faith that no matter what it looks like right now, how dark the day may be in this current situation, that you're going to be okay. It's going to be okay. He has got you. He has got you. You've got to trust him. You've got to trust that he will lead you, he will guide you, he will direct you, and it's all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. I know sometimes it does not look like it, but it will, but it will. And so we have to learn to be content in where we're at and what we have. I'm going to give you another one, Psalms 37, 16 through 17. Better the little that the righteous have than the wealth of many wicked, for the power of the wicked will be broken, but the Lord upholds the righteous. Okay, godly leadership is grounded in righteousness, and righteousness is its own reward. Sometimes it might feel like your leadership skills would be better compensated in another venue, but you must try. You must try to give it all you have, and you must trust that the Lord will honor your work and your sacrifice. You've got to trust him in this. You've got to know that it's going to be okay. Let's look at a little more in Psalms 37. Psalms 37, 30, and 31. The mouth of the righteousness utter wisdom, and their tongue speaks what is just. The law of their God is in their hearts. Their feet do not slip. Now, Jesus tells us that the things that come out of someone's mouth originate in their hearts. That's Matthew 15 and 18, out of the heart. Okay, out of the abundance of the heart is actually what the scripture says the mouth speaks. A leader needs to pay attention to the things they say because their words are an indicator of their spiritual condition. A good leader's word will bring light and life. You have to be a proponent of encouragement, not tearing down. Excuse me, a leader that does nothing but tear down all the time. It is not a good leader. You've got to build those up that are around you. Give them hope for an expected end. That's what God said he has for us. Jeremiah 29 and 11, for I know the plans that I have for you. Plans of good, plans of increase to bring you an expected end. What is that expected end? It's that end of victory. It's that end of knowing that we have succeeded in the things to which God has called us to. It is that knowing that we were created for a purpose and a destiny, and we've accomplished that that he called us to. We didn't, we didn't give up. We didn't throw in the towel. Sometimes we do falter. Sometimes it's hard to hold on and hold our ground. But as a good leader, as a leader in, in this arena that we find ourselves in right now, we've got to come out of that I, 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 me, me, me mentality and step into a place of trusting God, step into a place of looking at the bigger picture, looking at the lives in which we are in connection with. And making sure that we are propelling those lives forward and not tearing them down. Making sure that the example that we are living before them is not sending out mixed messages. That is my problem with our current leadership in this country right now. Because you never can get a straight answer for those that are in leadership. They send out mixed messages. They, they're not safe with the knowledge that they have, either they don't disseminate the knowledge at all or they lie about what they know or they totally disregard the safety and the protection of the people that they have called to protect and to lead. It's got to change, people. It's got to change. The narcissistic syndrome that's that I mentality that says that it's all about me and later for anybody else's problems. And we have to change that. We have to change it in our homes. We've got to think of our spouses and our children first. 
Yes, we are important, and I'm not saying put yourself on a back burner, but look at the big picture. How do we interact one with another? Do we respect them? Do we give credence to their, to, to their stands and their desires and their struggles and the issues they're going through? We just talked about it. The babies, it's not their fault that they're at home, homeschooling. They, 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 most of them probably wish they could get out the house. It's not their fault. It's not your spouse's fault that you have been thrown together and, and are spending more time with one another than you used to. Come out of that I syndrome, and it's all about you. No, it's the us and the we that have to be taken into consideration. It's not your employee's fault that their child can't go to school, so they need you to cut them some slack and let them work remotely a little longer. Maybe your, your place of business has now opened and you want them there, but it's just not feasible. They don't have anybody to watch their children. We've got to get to that place where we step out of the I syndrome, the me, 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 and step into we, 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 and us, and the importance of working together, working one with another to get to that place of unity. Our country is in such a divisive place right now. Seriously. I'm not going to say it's never been this divided before because that would be a lie or we wouldn't have fought the Civil War, okay? But at the same time, we have the ability to unify, not go backwards. We don't want to go backwards to where we were. We want to move forward, and we want to move forward in the unity of which God has propelled us in. He said one body, one church, one God. And we got to get back to the place of respecting God, respecting one another. Stop tearing each other down because we have differences of opinion. Get to that place where we can agree to disagree. I said at the top of the hour, I will never convince someone to vote for a specific person just because that's who I'm voting for. What I will do my darndest to do is to convince you to vote and to vote your conscience. Your conscience may not be the same as mine. We may not be serving the same Lord. We, you know, we can have a whole lot of different things going on. We may not be in the same economic, social climate or class. And so you may have different reasons why you would want one person there as opposed to another. But my point is do not surrender the right that you have to voice your conscience. And it's the same in leadership. Don't don't tear down someone because they may not agree with you or because their very existence, their very existence may be an inconvenience to you. I, I'm going to be honest, I'll, I'll, and, and my, my beautiful co-host has joined the line, and I'm going to give her a moment to speak in just a moment, but I, I'm, I am the first that will bear my testimony and say there are times, I, it's like my husband and I get along fabulous when I'm on the road, <laughs> okay, because, hey, we're not up under each other. It, it works for us. People like, you know, how can you be gone for such a long period of time? It just it works for us. But that being said, when we are together, when we are under the same roof, I have to understand and recognize there are times when I just want my space. I'm an only child. I'm used to my space. Okay, but I have to respect that my space is quite often intermingled with his space if we're in the same home together. And so I have to respect that and respect him in that space. It can't just be about me. can't just be about him. It's got to be about us. Same way with our children. can't just be one or the other. It's got to be a unified us a team, a family, it's vital. It's vital. So now, that being said, and I've talked for um, 35 minutes straight, (laughs) I'm going to let my co-host come in. My beautiful, beautiful sister in the Lord, Ms. Tanya Roberts, how are you, my love? I thank God every moment, sis. I'm off work, and I'm so grateful. And I just want to say hello to everybody. 
I was listening to you, what you were talking about leadership and just being how God will put us in a position a lot of times. And even if you don't have a title, and to me, you can still be a leader. So mm-hmm. um, I was really just enjoying you talk to us, I'm being honest with you. And just, you know, just in all aspects. I was just talking to my boss the other day at work because he's a Christian. And he was telling me how hard it is sometimes being a Christian, being in that position. And everybody expects you, you when you fill out the schedule and, 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 and to be a Christian, when you try to tell them what to do to be a Christian. But when it comes to anything else, they don't want you to say anything else to them. You know, so... Mm. It, it's not it's, it's it's not easy, like he's saying. You know, you try to be fair. You know, everybody's not happy. You know, and you know, period. You know, and the first thing right. he said to me when you make people when he doesn't do the right thing or doesn't do the schedule right, people go, "I thought you were a Christian." Mm-hmm. And you know, we get so lost in that title, you guys. Okay, again, Christians are not perfect; they're just forgiven. That's really the difference. Exactly. So, yep. you know, and, that, and loving Christ, I mean, that's a big difference, I'm just saying. But we're not perfect by no means. So, Mm-mm. you know, I've seen a lot since during the COVID, you know, just, just the changing of hands, working in the business that I work in, in that industry, and seeing things happen. And it, it, it just, it'll blow your mind sometimes. You just can't get caught mm-hmm. up or wrapped up. Please forgive me. I'm not going to comment long. Because I need to, I know what we're talking about today, but I just need to hear more, you know, how you bring it. Because I feel like everything you're saying is, is correct. You know, you can be a leader in your home. You know, you, you know you, whether you're a wife or whatever, you're both leaders. You know, where one falls short, the other one picks you up, vice versa. Um, mm-hmm. Just period. In the community, in your church, in, in your whatever, you know. Sometimes people feel... Because they're they're titled, they'll use that to their advantage. You know, and I had to say, you know, to my boss, sometimes God put people in position and they lose their way. You know, they use mm-hmm. that position for power and that's not it's that's what you're supposed to use for, but not that type of power. Not the type of power right. when you know you can promote somebody you don't want to because you got the power not to. You know, or you know what I'm saying to you, or you want to talk crazy to somebody because you got a title. I've had a couple of bosses like that. Trust me. Mm-hmm. And I had to say to them, because of your title, I'm going to respect you because I know that if I don't, I'm going to lose my job. But if you're ever mm-hmm. in the street, you're you're not under that title to me. It might be a different story mm-hmm. for you. You know, period. I'm gonna be honest. I, I got to be honest with you because sometimes people can really mm-hmm. hurt you because of their title. You know, it just amazes me sometimes how people can be in position and they know that somebody can be good for it, but they don't want it because they're intimidated or they're jealous or they're insecure, mm-hmm. period. You know, and it's just sad to me. So I, I I have one, somebody that I work with right now that wants to be a supervisor, you know, and I have to say, you know, you really need to pray about that thing, you know, because everybody is not meant to be in leadership. Everybody's not a leader. And sometimes people have to understand that. You got to have followers, too. But I think people look at the word because they say followers as being bad. And it's not. And sometimes, like one of my bosses told me, something about management. I'm training you for management. I don't want that. I've been there before. But I don't want that responsibility like that. Not in that position anymore. So, you know, I'm just, I'm going to cut it off there because I don't want to babble or rabble. But, um. I just want to tell everybody I love them, and I love you too, sis, and please continue on with the show while I'm listening. Amen. Amen. Um, you said a couple of things, though, that I really would like to touch on. Um, you, you you talked about followers and that, you know, they think that that's bad, and, you know, it, it does not make you less than because you're a follower of someone. You know, I, in fact, when you think about it, we are followers of Christ, and that is where our value lies, okay? With, without having that distinction, I don't believe that we would have any value because, you know, and our belief is that we were created 
because God had purpose for us. And that, that purpose is first realized in who Christ is, what Christ did, and who we are in him. So being a follower is not bad. It is not bad at all. In fact, if you are in leadership and you're not a follower of God, then there's a problem. <laughs> you know, then there's a problem. Because if, if you don't, have, um, how did the word put it? You first have to be under authority to respect authority. Okay. Um, for others to respect you. If you don't respect those that are in authority over you, then how are you going to expect others to respect your authority? And it's, it's vital. It's vital. And again, that takes us right back to, to what we're talking about, that I, narcissistic tendency of saying me, 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 I, 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 and it's all about what I want, what I need. Now, I want to bring balance to this conversation. The balance is, yes, you are vitally important, and, yes, you have to take time for you. And I don't want you to misconstrue what we're saying here. It is vitally important. I'm getting ready to do that this week. You know, like I said at the beginning of the show, Lord willing, tomorrow I will see my 64th birthday, and this week is my week. Okay, Tuesday, I'm going to be on somebody's beach, okay, enjoying me some water and some tranquility. And then I'm on my way home, driving across country for three days to get home. It's about me, though. It's about um, the sanctity of knowing this is what I need, you know, knowing that I need a disconnect. And this is, this is going to be a good time to do that for, for this week. Now, I realize next week it'll be back to the grind, back to, you know, reality, as they say. But I even in that took the first two days of the following week off because I know I won't get home until Sunday and I need to rest. You know, it's a grueling trip. So I need to rest. I'm taking me into consideration where that is concerned. So I'm not saying you don't take yourself into consideration, but what I am saying, Okay, if, if you're in a place of leadership and there are others that are relying on you, relying on your guidance and your direction, then don't leave them out there floundering because you're so caught up in you. So, yes, you take some time for you. Get you a spa day. Get you a beach day. Do what you need to do to take care of you, but never, ever get to the place where it's all about you and you forget about those that are reliant upon you, that are reliant upon your leadership, that are reliant upon your guidance and your direction. You can't forget that. You can't just check out for good. <laughs> you know, I'm going to check out for a week, but I know the following week I got to check back in. <laughs> you know, I understand that. I understand that. I, I'm the first one that tells you self-care is important. You got to have self-care. You got to. I get it. I got it. But at that same time, I can't be so self-absorbed that I forget about the betterment of others, that I forget about there is we and us and not just me and I. So that's where I'm coming from with that. that and I just think that's really, really important. Um, in relationships. Relationships are work. They're hard work. Every, every type of relationship is work, be it husband, wife, be it parent, child, be it boss, employee, you know, employer, employee. Every type of relationship is work. You've got to work at the relationship for the relationship to be successful. If you don't work it, it will fail. It will fail. And the way you work it is it takes all parties involved working together cohesively, cohesively to make it work. It's not about you doing all the work and somebody else reaping all the benefits. That's the problem with most employee-employer relationships, and especially if you have a narcissist at the head of the table. It's a huge problem. Trust me, I'm telling you what I know. Not what somebody told me, not what I read, to what I live. Okay. It's a 
problem. It's an issue. But with that being said, you, you allow the Spirit of God to lead you. Some relationships weren't met. Some jobs, you just, that's the place you're supposed to be. I'll be flat out honest. The only reason I'm still at my job is because God asked me that I have enough faith to stay, to trust him. So he has reason for me being there. And and I take that to heart. Because if it wasn't last year, I'd have been done. We talked about this on a few shows. I, I even been over. But there's purpose for me being there. I've not completely figured it out yet. But I take God at his word. I trust him. And I know that I know that I know if he said there's a reason and a purpose, then there's a reason and a purpose, and I don't question that. I remember when um, in my first marriage with my husband, y'all know my story, We this is our second marriage, same two people. <laughs> but that first marriage, I would go to God and I would cry out, you know, and this was like, you got to let me up out of here, <laughs> Okay. And he would just simply say, just love him through. Just love him through. He had purpose and reason for that. Now, I, we, we, you know that story as well, because I got to a place of, yeah, threw up both my hands and said, hey, I am out. I stuff. <laughs> okay, in fact, my sister here on the phone came and helped me pack. It's <laughs> late, I'm done. You know? But even in that, Actually, God brought us. What? Actually, everybody, she said, if you don't come get me, I'm going to pick his skin off his body piece by piece. Because <laughs> I'm through. <laughs> okay, so I didn't exactly say that. Actually, I said I was going to use a spoon. I said <laughs> I was going to use a spoon. Not a knife where to cut, but a spoon, yes. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, anyhow, <laughs> I was, uh, yeah, it was time to go. Let's just put it like that. It was absolutely positively time to go for the safety of all parties involved. Okay. <laughs> but with that being said, we got... <laughs> When God got ready to put us back together some years later, you know, he was very, if I keep telling you, when he released me to leave, because I I allowed God to be God. When he released me to leave, it was like, oh, Lord, thank you. I mean, like, do the happy dance. And then I got scared because it was like, all this time you've been telling me just love them through, and now you're saying I could go? Like, okay, what's up? (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah. like, what's the catch kind of thing, you know? And he allowed me to calm down. Lord, allowed me to calm down. And then he said, but you know you're going to have to take him back. And I was like, I knew it was a catch. But it, I didn't say that to God. But anyway, it was just like, Lord, if you make me come back to this. And he said, it won't be the same. Now, I walked in there for six months. I did leave that very next day. Yes, I did. But <laughs> I walked in. Him saying I was going to have to take him back. But then I got to a place of, and I don't know why I'm going down this rabbit trail because this was not what this show was about, but I got to that place of I'm done. I needed him to be there for me because my best friend died and he wasn't, and it was a wreck. And I was going to divorce court from hell or high water. I was doing it. It didn't matter with who said nobody. And and the, the deep part was is that God got silent on me. From the time I had gotten saved, I could always hear him. And he got quiet, I cried, I cried. Lord, you know what I walked through. You know what I'm feeling, yada, yada, yada. And he was silent. And in his silence, I went to divorce court. He was silent because he had already told me. He had already told me what was going to have to happen. He didn't give me a timeline, but he told me what was going to have to happen. Two and a half years later was the fulfillment of what he told me. And when he started bringing us back together and I'm fighting all the way and complaining, don't want that one, want a new one, okay, his words were, you will let me be God. And it was like, Lord, I can't stop you from being God if I wanted to. And he told me that I had prayed his word, I had said on his word, his word cannot go out and return unto him void, this thing must 
be. Now, I promise you, I really wasn't happy. I tell this whenever I tell the story. It wasn't that I was happy to get back with this individual, but what I was so in awe of was the realization of how real God's word was. So I've learned over the years to trust God at his word. And if he has purpose and destiny and reasoning in what he's doing, not if, I know that he has purpose and destiny and reasoning in what he is doing. When we remarried, we are now um, almost, um, what, three years from being 30 years in the second one. We're at that 26, we celebrated 26 years this year, um, April, no, March. March of this coming year, it will be 27 years. Yep, March, it'll be 27 years. So God had purpose. He had purpose and destiny. So I've gotten to a place where I can trust when God said, do it this way. Stay there. Go through this. Because he's built up my trust in him because he knows greater than I know. So I'm asking you guys that are in leadership positions to submit yourself to the hand of God. Let him carry you through these difficult times. Let him govern your home. Let him govern your place of work. Let him govern in your relationship. He'll make sure that you have the, the me time that you need to refresh, refuel, get it together, to spend that time with him, that quality time, that one-on-one time with him. He's going to make sure that you have that. Just trust him and trust him to give you the contentment that you need in the midst of the situation. Situation may not be ideal. I get it. I get it. We are not living in an ideal time right now. It's not all hearts and flowers right now. It's a difficult time. We're walking through a place that we've never been before. Unless your great-great-grandmother and grandfather is still alive that went through the pandemic of 1918, you've never been this way before. And they didn't have at their disposal what we have at ours, but they made it. Now, they had a little bit better leadership than we got now, but anyway, that's another show for another time. <laughs> but that being said, we got to trust God. In the midst of everything we're walking in, we've got to go to him and let him give us the strength we need to, to walk in patience, to walk in kindness, to walk in unity, to prefer others over yourself. Because that's what leadership is about. Like I said, I, I'm a proponent of self-care. I'm trying to bring balance here. But you've got to, according to the word of God, go in places where you prefer others over yourself. You do what's right, not what's convenient. Speak what's correct. You don't tell lies to cover up. Be honest. Be truthful. That's what good leaders do. That's what good leaders do. They prefer others over themselves. And so they treat others with respect, with kindness. They, they work at building up those that are around them and not tearing them down. So that's, that's the biggest thing that I'm trying to get across to all of you today. Come out of that eye syndrome. Come out of that place of destruction. You know, I am going to say this. I am going to say this, and and if I offend you, I apologize, but I'm going to put this out here. The current person that we have in leadership in this country has so vehemently divided this country that you cannot in the same breath tell me that this is a man of God and look at his character, his morality, and what he has done to this country. Because that's not the God that I serve. That's not the character of the God that I serve. Now, you can get mad all you want to, but he has used the evangelical community for their vote. 
He could care less. Be real. Look, listen, behold. It's right in front of you. It's right in front of you. Had somebody send me an email, and this is a, a woman of God that I highly respect. But she went on this path about different things when it comes to to the person in leadership in this country, and then got to a place that you know in her email to me that you know, and if if I was offended and you disagree, then I would tell you you know, to rebuke the demons that are in your mind. So because I don't agree with you, I got demons in my mind. Hold up, hold up, wait, whoa, whoa, back up. See, I can agree to disagree, but I'm not going to allow you to bully me because I don't hold the same conviction that you do. So needless to say, I had to respond, and I did. But I did it out of love. I didn't do it with malice, but I got my point across and stated my, where I was in the midst of that situation. So we can do that. And at the end of the day, her response back to me was, I respect you as well, and I will continue to pray. Thank you. In the story. In the story. So we don't, we don't, as leaders, we do not have to bully people, browbeat them, beat them over the head with the word, all of that. We don't have to do that. We are called to lead in love, and that's key, whether it's in our home, on our job, or in the political arena, or in the church. We are called to lead with love, and that's what we are. We must do. We must do. If there's going to be healing in our land, we must learn to do that. It's vital. It is vital. So that being said, sis, we got two minutes. Would you please pray over the people? I'm going to take a minute to pray, but I want to say something real quick, sis, and I know on less than 60 seconds, hopefully. You guys, leadership mm-hmm. means to be a good leader over yourself, and don't be led by other people's opinions or what other people say. Know that when you go out to yeah. the voting polls that you vote for what, how God leads you in your spirit. If, if exactly. it's this person, let it be that person. You don't have to tell anybody what you, what you agree upon because you know that's going to be a conflict. But be led by the Spirit of God and be led by what you feel. Because I'm going to tell you guys something. Yeah. I'm led by God and I'm going to tell you why. I have to ask my husband this question. Since that Mr. Trump, 45, been into office, has it affected us any? We're still doing what we're supposed to be doing. We've had some, some ups. We've had some downs. That's normal. We had that when Obama was in office. All I'm mm-hmm. saying to you guys is what he does do, – or whatever anybody else does, don't let that affect you to the point where that's how you go out and you, you make your decision. Be a leadership of yourself, a leader of yourself. And mm-hmm. however God leads you, go with God. Now, Father, I pray in the Amen. name of Jesus right now as the time is coming for the elections and everything that's going on, the craziness, the COVID, Father God, the sickness, some lost friends, um, family members, co-workers, or how it is, however it is, Lord. I'm not trying to disregard any of it. I'm praying for everyone that's on the Senate, the seat, the, the judges, the, the pastors, the deacons, the choir, the, everyone, Father God, right now that's going through something. It's a change. But let us know that, Father God, that you are the true and living God, and you sit on the throne first, and you yeah. are the most high, yeah. always, in the name of Jesus. And I just pray, Father God, that no one gets feel bullied or feel stressed that to make a decision that they may regret for the rest of their lives. But I pray to Father mm-hmm. God that you give us all the spirit of leadership. You give us all the spirit of godliness within our hearts, Father God, in the name of Jesus, to always come to you first, Father God. And I just want to tell everyone that we love you and that everything yeah. that we say on this show, we don't do it to try to hinder, hurt, hate, jealousy, malice, strife, envy, for any of that. But we're here to empower, to lift up, to give hope, to love, to encourage. Whatever it is, we're here. My sister has other shows off this show. Listen to her podcasts or different um, on um, Instagram and YouTube and different things like that because it can encourage you. Sis, I want to wish you a happy birthday and I love you. My nephew and my niece a happy birthday. You have the best birthday ever. 
And you. get you some R, well R&R. Call me and let me know that you made it home, Vegas, safe, and Thank back you. and forth. And I love you guys, you guys. Please be blessed and stay in hope and prayer. Amen. Amen, amen. Thank you so much for tuning in and joining us. We will not have a show next week. At least I won't be on the show. If we do the show, um, it'll be my sister and my friend, Apostle Paul Greenlee, um, because I will be on the road. <laughs> but um, we thank and praise God for you. Much love to you. And have an incredible week in the Lord. Thank you. We love you, guys. Let's keep it real.